You're listening to Talk Daredevil, the official podcast of the Save Daredevil campaign. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talk Daredevil. And uh, my name is Christine, and I'm joined by Lauren and Shelby. Hey, guys. Hi. Today we are talking about sort of the, the science of Daredevil, which is uh, something that I, in previous podcasts that I've been on, have sort of hinted at um, us maybe trying out. Uh, I, I was thinking that maybe I should also, you know, mention my own sort of credentials for speaking on this topic at all, since I, uh, well, I don't work in the sciences anymore. My own background is I have a master's in biotech engineering. And I did at one point work a lot in uh, genetics and biochemistry. And also as part of my training, we did a lot of physics and chemistry and stuff. And I've always, always since I was a kid been super interested in uh, in, in the sciences in general. Um, and um, uh, so that's kind of my, my, you know, my academic background sort of into this. And I've always also been particularly interested in in neurology and sort of the compensations that happen uh, when you lose a sense, for instance, and, and and stuff. So that's always so I had that with me when I when I started reading Daredevil and when I saw the movie and I started reading it. So that's one of the reasons that I, uh, you know, because I loved superheroes growing up and I also have this interest, which is one of the reasons that Daredevil is like super, you know, extra interesting to me and why I care about this so much, because I see this, this such a great opportunity for Daredevil to be like even better, even more interesting um, and also sort of be more both a legitimate superhero and also more sort of genuinely blind. Uh, um, people who know me sort of in the the bigger Daredevil fan sphere um, and who might know my ignored blog, <laughs> the other Murdoch papers, this has always been like sort of one of my absolute favorite topics to discuss and nitpick about and also just nerd out about. So maybe we should first just, um, you know, uh, talk about why this should matter to people who are not us. Uh, why why this topic? And if, you know, Daredevil is a superhero, why does this stuff even matter? Um, I have my own thoughts, but I'll, I'd like to hear yours too. Um, I think why this topic, number one, I'm Christine's like number one fan. So that's why. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I read all of her, all of her blog posts. So... <laughs> Okay, we'll fight. We'll fight it out. We'll fight it out. Um, also, I'll do a I think pop uh, quiz later. Uh, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> um, like just reading the comics though is where I sort of come at this from. Is just you know, especially some of the older issues, and just wondering what's he going to be able to do in this one, you know? And I just want to get your take on it. What's kind of real? What's maybe not real? Impossible? Possible? So. Yeah. Yeah. For me, his senses are, you know, probably my favorite part about reading about him. I mean, one of the favorite parts is what I love. Um, There are a lot of superheroes with so many fantastic things they can do. And one of the things I love about Matt and Daredevil is he's not really superhuman. Like he has super senses. Um, And as much as I love what he can do. I really love like watching uh what he can't do. <laughs> what he can't do. And like what are those limitations? Um, because he's a superhero with a disability as well, like I I, I like to kind of see that play together, I guess. Um, you know, I love that he can do some really cool things, but I don't want him to be able to just do anything and all things and so powerful that he has um, no limitations. And I think for me, what makes a great superhero, it's not necessarily about what they can do, but it's about their weaknesses. Yeah, no, I think that that's a great point. And I think that's also, for me, one of the reasons that um, uh, it, it, there's a point to actually kind of discussing what he can and can't do and w- what the limitations would be, because he's one of those few characters that um, in, in becoming like too powerful, um, he sort of risks becoming less interesting in a way. And at the same time, he's got this sort of uh, kind of um, 
Uh, there's a sort of a problem built into the character that I find kind of interesting. And that problem is that he's built on this sort of assumption of sensory compensation. And which means that um, th- there's even, you know, it's often stated outright that uh, to compensate for his lack of sight, he developed all these super senses. And that, I think, has led a lot of writers to either kind of just like, ignore situations where this isn't true because there's a lot of you know situations where this really isn't true um and uh and it's it's kind of like if we could just allow for the fact that uh in some ways he's super compensating like in the sense that he can do things that no other person blind or sighted could do but on the other hand there are things that he legitimately cannot do despite his senses uh it makes him more interesting as a character but i also think that because this character is so obviously um based on very very old centuries old notions of of blindness in a way mm-hmm. uh it's been a common theme throughout you know literary history uh on all continents pretty much um that uh, there's been this idea that the blind can do incredible things and have senses that go beyond our own and, and so on. And, uh, um, and I've looked a lot of, at, at a lot of these examples and a lot of them are very, like you'd think that with Daredevil, like, oh, he got, you know, it, it's got, it's radiation. He's a superhero. All this stuff happened. And then, you know, that there are examples from, from uh, sort of literary history where, where you have characters who have almost, sort of daredevil superpowers but they're not you know supposed to actually this is supposed to be just a consequence of, of blindness and um so i mean it's it's very obvious that daredevil is kind of built on that trope uh so there's like a historical connection to sort of a vast <laughs> amount of, of literature uh there but there's also of course where it kind of rubs up against our our own reality uh in the sense that um even though the kind of sort of ridiculous levels of compensation that we see in the comics are not real, there's still sort of the idea that, yes, it is possible for, you know, some blind people to be extremely good at detecting the presence of silent objects, for instance, and things that would appear to be sort of supernatural, but but are not. But then, of course, so Daredevil has all of that, but it's like it's turned up, you know, to the nth degree and everything. And then I, I, also, um, I also enjoy the fact that he... Um, because of of this sort of grounded background, it is a, a you know it's not completely futile to try to pick apart what he can and can't do and kind of bring that into our reality and and have sort of you know break it down and look at it more closely um, in a way that would be kind of meaningless for characters that are super powerful or as we you know uh, we've all maybe or most of us have seen uh, WandaVision and we're not gonna have no spoilers for WandaVision here but. Yeah. In that case, we were talking about characters who really have like sort of magical abilities that are just mm-hmm. so far out there uh, that it, like there's no point trying to explain that in any kind of grounded you know sense uh, of science. I mean, that's kind of that's magic, <laughs> yeah. um, and the rules are very very different if there are rules at all. So uh, and Daredevil isn't like that. It's like there's yeah there's actually a point to talking about this because it's also through using Daredevil as kind of a lens we can also learn more about about science, about how our own senses work and, and don't work, at least if you kind of scratch the surface and, and look underneath. Yeah. So. yeah, and I love it at the heart of it. Even if he's trying to defuse a bomb, you're like, okay, well, he can hear this, he can hear that. At the heart of it, he cannot tell the difference between a red wire and a blue wire. Exactly. You know? Like, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and of course, I think that, that the uh, the writers should lean into, lean into that a little bit more um, also. But uh uh, but generally, when it comes to like, okay, so what is close to reality and what is just super, you know, n- not ever, ever going to happen? Uh, I think one distinction that I like to make personally when I've written about this in the past is sort of like the distinction between uh, kind of biology and physics in the sense that, um, you know, n- neither one of us can hear sounds at like 35 or 40,000 hertz. Um, the human sort of, you know, uh, range ends at 20,000. And that's if you're like super young by our age, like, and we're not even super old, it's going to be down to like 16 or 17,000 hertz. So it's not possible for a human to hear 35,000 hertz, but I've got a cat lying next to me who can hear 35,000 hertz. So obviously it's not physically impossible to hear that. My cat can hear it. There's a sound, it's out there, but, um, but it's not, 
you know, it's not biologically possible for me as a human, but it's not physically impossible generally. Uh, so that would be an example of something that's sort of like, okay, that's in the, in the realm of like a super sense that, that oh yeah, maybe you can hear 35,000 hertz and there could be a way for you to do that. But where it becomes physically impossible, and this is also the case, and one thing that pops up in a lot of Daredevil comics and in the show too, is when Matt is hearing things from like extreme distances. Uh, that kind of stuff tends to actually break the laws of physics because it sound, it's not simply a, a matter of what his, his ears can do. It's also the matter of the physics of sound. How, how far does sound travel before it becomes not sound, you know, or it bounces off of something or you have a very like thick wall or something that, that reduces the energy of that sound down to, you know, nothing in some cases. So, so you have sort of that physical reality where um, a lot of cases, and I mean, this would be true for Superman too. I mean, you can, you know, you, 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 you use super hearing to explain that, but super hearing can't actually explain that because it's, it's not just about the hearing. It's about the stimulus too, like the sound coming in. So that's uh, that's where I tend to nitpick a lot. But then on the other hand, it's like you have to kind of, you know, make allowances for the fact that it's, you know, a comic book hero. So I do make allowances for that. Um, uh, otherwise, we could just shut this down <laughs> right away. But, but having said that, I do think that one of more, Daredevil's more sort of like plausible abilities is really uh, the fact that he can walk around and sense objects it's like it's yeah. that is not the most far-fetched of his abilities quite quite the contrary i think that that actually is more like if you did have super hearing and if you you know tweak a lot of stuff that that's not something that's beyond reason uh since you know echolocation is a real phenomenon and everything mm -hmm. but yeah, you could possibly definitely. get back to that but anyway that that's kind of how how i, I approach it but um uh, anyway, but we thought we'd look at some examples from the show and some stuff that I want to talk about and you guys want to talk about and we can just kind of hash it out. So, so Shelby, you want to go first, maybe? Um, yeah. So I don't know about you guys, but I was super excited when the show came out just to see how they would handle these super senses. Would it be like in the comics where he's reading print with his fingertips like every day or would it be more grounded and I think the first thing we want to talk about is how he does explain his senses and you know he goes on to explain his senses to Claire Foggy and Karen at different points in the show but maybe we want to start with the fiery elephant in the room yeah the world on fire I know you probably have thoughts on I, I get what they were trying to do, but yeah, you know, yeah, with, with the too. with the abstract, like impressionistic visual. Yeah, there's a lot to say about that. Um, I uh, I wasn't too happy with it. Like, well, there are a couple of things that that I did appreciate about it. And first and foremost, what they're showing him when they're doing that scene that is sort of painted, quote unquote, mm -hmm. in the world on fire effect, and he's looking quote-unquote, looking at Claire. It's not like it's super detailed. I did appreciate that. Uh, that it's not like a lot of times, and especially this is hard in the comics because like the comics, I mean, comic books are such a visual medium and how are you going to relay uh, the, you know, appearance of something visually that's not visual? It's like super hard. So I mean, it's a really tough nut to crack. And a lot of times it's treated like, I, you know, I'd call it the Instagram filter fallacy. I think I just made that up. Uh, trademark. <laughs> I like it. I like um, it. Awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. No, no, but it, it's sort of like instead, I think when, you know, creators want to they kind of jump to the assumption that Matt wor Matt's world is like our world, but like an like a filter stick in, stuck in, you know, or like a filter that's put in front of him. Yeah. But it's more like, no, you have to start with a freaking dark room you know, imagine it from that and then add on impressions and like an object and what would, yeah. And I think with the world on fire, it was like, it, it was nice. It wasn't detailed, but I think pretty much everything else about it fails for me because it's not at all obvious to viewers what it is that's giving him whatever it is he's quote unquote seeing. Uh, and, and a lot of it seems to be that it's, uh, that he's heat sensing to a great degree. And this is something that comes up in the show in a few different times. And we'll talk about that later. Uh, and this is also now kind of made its way into the comic after the show, but that it, that's not actually a way to perceive humans or really anything else. Uh, so the whole fiery thing, what, what is that supposed to be? Is that supposed to be, I mean, it's not, it's not sound exactly. 
uh, even though in, in other times in the show. They yeah, I don't know. Were they clear. trying to go red? Was that their thing? Like red? I don't know. Yeah. And it's all almost like they want to tie it into like the devil inside. Like it's something that it's almost mm-hmm. like it's a sense. His sense is mixed up with his worldview or something. <laughs> where it's like, <laughs> it, it looks like a world on fire. Not only because this is what I'm seeing, but, but I have this fire inside and the world is, a, a, you know, <laughs> right. it's like a battlefield and it's a war zone. And it's really, I think it's confused so many people. And I think that's also why they didn't mm-hmm. use it beyond that point, because it's like, it didn't really work. Well, um, too, because she not, says, she yeah. says like, what do you actually see? And I yeah. think that's the line that confuses mm-hmm. people. And he then, you know, world on fire and then he sees her face and it's, yeah, you know, I had issues <laughs> with it too. You kind of come away with that going, oh, so he can see. It's like, no, yeah. no, not yeah. at all. Yeah. And, you know, thinking back to the comics, um, there have been creators who have said, you know, I, I think Chip has said this, like, it's so great writing for Daredevil because there's not this giant stack of notes from Marvel of what you mm-hmm. can and can't do. And I'm yeah, over yeah. here like, can we just have like a post-it note of like yeah. what you can yeah, and can't, we can't do? Too. Yeah. Like, I feel like over time it would have been nice if they had sat down and tried to figure out what he actually can and can't do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, you even see from artist to artist, you know, different renderings of that. Some good, some bad. Um, I really enjoyed Samney's, uh Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. his take on it you know very simple with the lines um you can't really see what's you know you can't see faces you cannot see claire's eyeball that way right. or her iris <laughs> like, yeah um and this was yeah. kind of a joke about the daredevil movie as well we i think we talked about yeah. that on that episode oh. where it's like her pupils are showing in the rain <laughs> it's like yeah yeah no. and, and i think a big part of that the the problem is is that they wanted this to be a really romantic scene and they're like if we don't give her pupils like she's gonna look creepy and it's yeah. like well <laughs> he can't see her at all well i mean he can't so. see that much and you know it, it's interesting um having been reading some comics and also go going to fanfic but it's interesting because <laughs> no. i feel like you have a lot of these creators who they're very focused on this is a superhero Okay, he has these senses or these disabilities, whatever, but look at all this great thing stuff he can do. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go to the fans and, you know, and maybe it's a gender thing, you know, maybe it's the girls are writing it more so mm-hmm. than men. I have not read uh, Nascenti's run, so I can't speak to that. But they're much more like there's a man and he's broken. And he has a disability, but he also has these amazing senses. Oh, he happens to be a superhero. I feel like the focus is very different. And so I feel like a lot of times fans are very focused on like Mm -hmm. the the senses and what he can and can't do. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times in the comics or, you know, in the show, they don't don't really think that that's important. I don't know. The people are working on it like as important as these, you know, grand things that he's saving people from. And I'm like. But it really, for me, it comes down to like what, you know, what he can and can't do. Like that's, that's important to me. Yeah, no. And it's really, it's like a strength that this character has. That's like something that makes him like super interesting and that they could be leaning into more and not lose a single reader. I'm sure they would actually oh, gain definitely. readers and viewers um, as far as the show and, and live action is concerned. Uh, because I, I really do think that like they could lean, in, lean into it more and explore more and be more down to earth. And it would not like ruin the character at all. Quite the contrary. So, But I think it's also like I mentioned at the beginning where it's sort of like it's been kind of built into the character that, you know, his senses are supposed to compensate. So there's been sort of this kind of like bias in the narrative for all of these decades of comics where because the the writer uh, and the artist, they are the gods of the story in a sense. They decide which situations this character is put into. And he's very, very rarely put into situations that are difficult for him unless it he needs to be for some very, you know, uh, obvious uh, and uh, some reason of, of the story. And then a lot of times in those cases, too, they they actually go to great lengths to actually make up some some really kind of absurd way for him to be in trouble instead of like, yep, but you have this part right here, where the part where he can't see stuff. That's also <laughs> something you could use from time to time. And that's also been a thing in, in literary history where like there are very, very few characters who are blind in history who are not 
uh, I mean, they all tend to be like totally blind. So we're very used to thinking about blindness and sightedness as this sort of dichotomy where there are very few people in the middle. And it's like you either, you know, you either have 20-20 vision or you're like totally blind. Whereas, uh, you know, in real life, it is actually quite common, much, much more common for people to have, you know, partial sight or have like a severe impairment, but they can do some things and not others and stuff. So in that sense, Matt Murdock is really more, is sort of more of a typical person with, with um, vision impairment than uh, than sort of the imagined Matt Murdock without, high, you know, super senses would be sort of like, I mean, yes, of course, there are totally blind people out there and, and uh, a lot of them do amazingly well um, <laughs> and, and live very normal and, and happy and, and, you know, productive lives and everything. But it's also true that most most people with a vision impairment do have some vision. So it's not as if the fact that he can sense some things and not others, that that sort of makes him like not blind or something. You know, that's not the case at all. I think a lot of people kind of jump to that conclusion. And it actually reminds me of like the scene when uh, Matt is explaining his senses to Foggy and Foggy is in his mm. apartment. And he he asks, how many fingers am I holding up? And then he shows him the middle finger. It's a, you know, classic scene. A lot of people, I think, are looking at that and going like, oh, my gosh, he could see that it was the one finger. And I'm like, do you realize that counting <laughs> fingers is like the test you do when you run out of like the eye chart, when you can no longer see any letter on the eye chart? The next thing they go to is counting fingers. That means like you are very, very nearly blind when you can only quote unquote quote count fingers. So yeah. it, it's not as if that's like, oh, yeah, that's 2020 vision right Ooh. there. It's like, no, no, it's it's really not. You know, like even yeah. someone with very reduced spa- or visual acuity uh, can usually count fingers and see, you know, hand motions and stuff like that. But where we draw the line, of course, it's a different story. But I think it's, it's important to keep in mind that it's not, we don't have to come at this as a kind of an either or kind of thing. Before I go to, too long on this, how about we, we sort of jump to... Uh, the next yeah, scene, which too. yeah, which was one of mine that I, I'm going to pick apart and complain about. Um, talking about this stuff makes me so happy, but it also makes me go on a little rant sometimes. So, like, bear with me. Uh, <laughs> I'll let you back in if I we need it. to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one the one scene I wanted to mention is um, when Matt, a uh, young Matt, and Stick when when they are uh, this is in uh, season one episode seven Stick when they are in the park together and they're having they're eating ice cream and uh, first of all they're eating ice cream where Stick can tell exactly how many different freaking dairies <laughs> that ice cream came from. <laughs> to which I say, God, what a way to make ice had- cream suck. I mean that just I know. Makes sense. But but not only that, but like you would you would have actually had to visit every single one yeah. of those dairies he's talking about and sampling their milk and being like really good at it in order to do that. Because that's that's one thing that's sort of like when when, you know, we always assume that uh like sort of Daredevil or Stick in this case would have like an insight. I think Stick was just trying to ruin ice cream. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah, I, just I, to, maybe yeah, I think so he's too. just flexing here and just being like, Look <laughs> yeah, right. Who I am. And really, he's just bullshitting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but then there's also like the the other part, and this is why I mentioned earlier that there's like a, a lot of heat sensing in the show that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Is that there's like this couple walking by, and Matt is supposed to be able to detect. Is one thing that her heartbeat is raising. That that's fine. But but he can tell that like she's blushing and stuff, and you really can't. This also uh, happens in another later episode when uh, Matt faces Nobu, and then afterwards he's talking about I should have sensed him. I should have sensed his body heat. No, you shouldn't have. Like he was he was like in a different room. And I think that the reason people don't think twice about that is that we're used to thinking about like um heat vision goggles. Like mm-hmm. you are like there is um no, there are ways to to visualize infrared light. And infrared light of course is kind of like a, something that co occurs with heat and <laughs> I mean, all objects with a temperature above absolute zero, uh, which in reality is all objects, uh, emit infrared light. And because we can visualize that from a distance, we maybe tend to think that you could also like, if you have super senses, you could like heat sense someone from a distance. But the thing is that the skin, that's not how, how we detect heat with our skin. It's not, they're not photoreceptors like in the retina that detects the infrared light as photons where we would be sort of like, you know, the skin would be like a large retina with like photoreceptors on it and, and you would detect the, you know, the, um, the uh, infrared 
that's not how it works. What you detect is like the temperature of the skin at your skin. That's what you detect. There are one class of snakes in nature and one species of bat that has something that is even remotely similar to what they're suggesting that Matt can do, which is that they have like these little heat pits um, where they can detect like prey with like heat from some not a very great distance. But this is extremely rare even in, in nature. And more importantly, it's not how thermoreception in mammals generally or in the skin works. That I mean, if if he can detect infrared light that way with his skin, then he might as well be able to see with his skin because it would be the same thing. So it's not like, I mean, if we have a person standing like a few feet away from us, that's not going to drive up the temperature of the the air that's right next to your skin. That's going to be at, you know, sort of at the ambient temperature. You're going to notice like if you sit next close to a a fire, that's an impressive amount of heat that's like right next to you. And that's going to temporarily create sort of a, you know, um, uh, a hotter than the average kind of experience where it heats your skin like right there. But that's, that's what you would have to do with. But it's not, you can't imagine that the skin is like a retina, which is, yeah. So I guess that's what I'm going with that. But that's something that's now made it into the comics. And I'm like, this, this really does not work that way at all. Yeah. How, yeah. The same thing on objects too, because I just read an issue mm-hmm. where he could like pick up the heat signature on a pen. That like bullseye had just thrown or something. So I was like. Yeah. 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 That's, that used to happen a lot in the old comics where he would like. It's one thing if he's like touching something and can tell that, you know, yeah. okay, this object is hotter than the desk it's on. I mean, sure. But how long do you imagine a heat? <laughs> it's like that <laughs> dissipates really fast. Like that's what nature wants to do. It wants to go to, you know, wants to go to like level. <laughs> it wants to hit an average, you know, that that's kind of how nature tends to work. Like. You don't want temperature gradients, you know, that that's um, so you need an impressive amount of heat for there to be like, you know, like from a fryer that you're sitting next door. If you're sitting very close to another person and that person is hot enough right next to you to be able to create like sort of a, a heat gradient that actually heats, warms the air that's right next to your arm that you can you feel. You probably should be worried they yeah. might have a fever. <laughs> it's one of those things where where it's like, you know, you would need more than like just a superpower. You would need a completely different kind of power that humans do not have at all and that barely exists in other animals. So so it's just kind of, but I do think it's something, the idea probably comes from from heat sensing with like mm-hmm. night vision goggles. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's where it comes from. Yeah, but to everyone definitely. writing Daredevil, it doesn't work. I was going to say, like, watching ghost adventures where you see them with the infrared camera. Yeah. I think that's... <laughs> but that's still, you're using vision to see that. You're you're yeah. seeing the photons yeah. as photons. Yeah. So that's why that doesn't work. <laughs> no, it's great. No, no, no. This is great. This is great. Yeah. I feel like I'm still learning things. Yeah. No, but speaking of stuff that even, like, um, I just thought of, it's like the, the part where he, like, can hear heartbeats. Which is also not like, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but it's it's also most of the the biggest reason we can't hear heartbeats is because most of the, the sort of sound output of the heart is too low for us, like too low in frequency for us to hear. So it's most of the energy is at like these ultra low frequencies that the human ear can't hear. But if we were to be able to hear that low, like say at like 10 to 50 hertz um, uh, and hear much better, we might be able to hear heartbeat. That's one of those things where it's like, it's not... It's biologically impossible, but probably not physically impossible. Uh, but anyway, um, one thing that they never mention, and something that is way louder than a human heart, is like all the other stuff going on in your body, like your your bowels move. Like you can even hear when yeah. someone's hungry. Can you imagine yeah. hearing that like all the time? You can like hear people's yeah, like that'd be know, so their gross. Intestines moving around, and <laughs> I really and just people have... like smacking and yeah, yeah, it would be so the that worst. would be way more audible. So, so that would that would be so, like so that would be a great reason that nobody could hide from him. Like if he can hear their intestines kind of casually moving around in their stomachs, that's probably a better way to detect someone than heartbeats. But it's not, you know, it doesn't sound as cool. So yeah, it's kind of gross, and it would be like feel bad for Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, maybe this is jumping ahead, but mm. talking about things like heartbeats and even like Mm -hmm. what's going on inside your body how do you feel about the idea that he has to put his focus to certain things like Mm -hmm. walking into the room and missing a lecture because his focus is somewhere Mm -hmm. else and things like that 
Yeah. No, I, I do think focus is one of those things that remember in the past when I've sort of been involved in, in the fandom and you hear people discuss different things. I remember there was a scene, I don't remember which one it was from uh, uh, Brubaker and Michael Lark's run, where some fan was kind of upset that Matt hadn't just detected some surveillance across the street or something. And I really think that people need to remember that even for him, attention is a limited resource. It is a very limited resource. And our minds are constantly working to just sort of, you know, you have a kind of an attentional spotlight that you direct to certain things mm. that you're looking at right then and there. And we may have this illusion that we're you know, constantly focus on everything, but we're really not. And I think it yeah. would be a very sort of human thing for the same thing to apply to Daredevil. That that Matt, even though he's got this heightened senses, he's still got the same human weaknesses of like, oh, I simply didn't pay attention. I was focused on something else. Uh, I mean, people can miss kind of obvious things because their mind is just elsewhere. And I think especially when he's got his senses are taking in so much information, mm -hmm. especially if something is not super obvious, like that the thing with Electra, because, you know, maybe detecting sort of whatever it takes to detect her is actually something that's if he's not expecting to meet someone in his apartment. Yeah. That he lives in by himself, you know, that that just that makes it hard for him to just notice right away when he was in, he was thinking about his date with Karen and everything. And he was, his mind was just elsewhere. And I think that um, for people to be kind of, you know, semi upset that Matt can't like detect everything simultaneously, like nobody can, you know? So that's, yeah, I that's actually kind of like that. Thought about that. I love it too. I like when he misses things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think we've actually talked about this before, Christine, his use of the cane. Yeah. No, he doesn't need it. Mm -hmm. But talking about like him, his focus, and depending on what he's doing, it would be it would be useful to use a cane, especially yeah. in a place like New York City. Mm -hmm. um, so he doesn't have to be putting focus on that necessarily. Like it kind of gives him a little more uh, space, brain space to focus on other yeah. things. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it, actually. And I, I've thought uh, I've thought about that, too. And I, I think about it kind of in similar ways. Yeah, it's something that would help you sort of not have to direct your attention to that as much. And I, I'm thinking, especially since he's using his ears to do, uh, I mean, there's like, of course, a radar in the comic that sometimes, or most of the time, imagine has a separate sense, but sometimes not. But that's a separate issue. But in the show, uh, we know that his hearing kind of has to do two things. It has to both function as his hearing and as his quote unquote, you know, pseudo vision. Yeah. So of course, if he's walking down the street and if he's maybe even having a conversation with someone or even like if he, you know, want to talk on the phone or even concentrate on something, maybe he's like, you know, doing surveillance and there's like a super interesting conversation behind him that he needs to pay attention to. Then yeah, I would absolutely think that the cane would sort of be like free up some space for him to direct his attention mm -hmm. elsewhere, especially since his hearing is sort of, you know, having to do double duty. But I think there's there's another uh, important reason for why he would use a cane and not have to feel bad about it. And that reason is that, uh, that uh, there are people, blind people who don't technically need a cane for mobility reasons to still use one. They tend to be a little bit shorter and, and you know, and they maybe can be used for, for some things, but for people who are, you know, who may not technically need it, can still use it. And one important thing is to inform other people yeah, that definitely. you have severely reduced vision. It would it would be kind of a, a way for people to understand what his needs are in terms of like giving him information uh, about things. And I mean, it's, it's got that scene in season three when he's um, looking for the um, the dry cleaner. Yes. Where yes. in mm. that entire episode, mm, that and was I great. actually pointed that out at the time. Like he's he's kind of you know Matt Murdock is dead according to him. Like Matt Murdock doesn't exist, but he still walks around with his cane. That he doesn't need mm -hmm. for mobility, but in order for him to find the information that he needs in that guy, not as Daredevil, but as himself, he needs to kind of lean into the blind guy bit. And the way he can get information that makes sense to him is to to uh, communicate to people that he's blind. Yeah. And that's the way he can get the information that's suitable for him to receive, not a reference to something visual that would then, Definitely. you know, generate further questions. So I think there are several reasons why he shouldn't feel bad about it, you know, or feel like, I mean, yeah, it's a lot of pretense, of course, to be him, but that's not like the the worst part of it for me at all. <laughs> so Yeah, definitely. And I, I remember in the, uh, when he's explaining to Karen in season three, she's like, yeah. you know, the cane, it's just an act. Yeah. He's like, yeah. 
It's like, yeah. okay, I understand for the purpose of yeah. this. Like, that yeah. makes sense. But I'm over here like, we could really dive but, into yeah. this. Like, yeah. you know, well, yeah. actually, also, too, when she says, can you see me? And he was like, no, not exactly, or something like that. And I'm like, yeah. just end it with no, no. I yeah, yeah. No. There's a lot of hedging around this. Yeah, and I think it's, it's because a lot of the creators aren't feeling 100% sure about what they are asserting, in a sense, when it comes to Daredevil. So I am here to help for a very, very reasonable fee, as in like zero dollars I would do this for. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So, I mean, so there's a Dang. lot of ways to, to kind of look at it. Um, and that's, I think there's even a scene from the comics. I'm trying to remember who the writer was. Chichester, I think. Back in the 80s, it was after, uh, after Matt got back with, with Karen after Born Again. And uh, he's walking down the street and he is actually saying to himself that I'm letting my inner blind guy sort of lead me as I lose myself in her scent or whatever it was, where mm-hmm. he's sort of indicating that he's putting himself on kind of like out- autopilot. Like he's just like the cane is kind of autopilot and he's like his concentration is completely elsewhere. So um, which suggests that, I mean, there could be that sort of use for it. And then of course you have like all the times when like it snows outside and like the echoes are not as good or there's a part, there's another uh, um, issue from the comics where he's got, um, he's got a head cold. That's really bad. And that like muffles everything for him yeah so yeah uh so there are situations like that of course i feel like we could we could just spend like a whole episode on, like, we just, one of these. just <laughs> we could just go you know, we could just like just keep talking forever because now i guess yeah. we need to get in well i just want to know like kind of what you think is you know in the show they really like make the hearing be the most important mm-hmm. thing they've tried they've yeah. even taken it away from him twice yeah what do you think is the most important super sense uh well hearing absolutely especially for daredevil since it's uh it's such a prominent sense it's both like his super hearing and his pseudo vision as i would call it so definitely that and i think even though uh we're sometimes led to believe that like in the comics it's either when you read sort of like the first issue or the first page of an issue and it's got sort of like you know the description of his senses like as a young as a young child mad murder lost his sight and he was compensated blah 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 for a while i think especially during the bendis run it said that his radar was a combination of his senses which is sort of like okay but what do you mean by radar if you mean like general just sort of like everything you can sense like the totality of your of your sensations and perceptions Mm -hmm. then yeah of course all of the senses come into that but uh in terms of what other sense besides vision can give you a spatial sense of the world hearing is like the best candidate you know by far compared to all the other senses however i have also often said that I think that his sense of smell is very underplayed and mm-hmm. underused and under just kind of undervalued. And I think a lot of that has to do with where sense ranks for, for humans, you know, in general, like we're a very visual species and, and we also like to talk a lot. So we'd like to focus on those two senses, like our eyes and ears. And we tend to kind of associate like, you know, smell as something like we kind of watch our dogs do and they sort of sniff something on the ground and go like, oh, I wonder if that's interesting. But we don't really have a very strong, like we do have a strong relationship to, but it's not something we verbalize and think about a lot. Um, I think even at the time of, of COVID, I think smell has maybe uh, you know, kind of come up a bit since a lot of people have mm-hmm. had issues with losing their sense of, of smell. And I've read a lot of interesting stories about this where people have gone, you know, many months and not having it back and what a loss that is to them. And I think I even heard someone mention that that apparently uh, depression after losing your sense of smell is actually more common than after losing your sight or something. Because oh, it's dear. something that's, yeah, which sounds bizarre, <laughs> but at the same time, it's so unexpected. And certainly people like, you can't smell your loved ones and you can't, you know, and your food uh, doesn't taste like anything. So a lot of the things we get enjoyment from, like, you know, food, for instance, that's mostly smell. But we tend to not appreciate smell. So I think that smell is not used as, as much as it could be. But there is actually, you know, I guess back on topic, there's a really good scene uh, yeah. that I know that uh, not that several of us wanted to talk about from season two, where Matt is tracking the Punisher by scent, where I remember watching that and thinking, wow, finally, they're exploring, mm-hmm. they're actually using his sense of smell for something. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, um, yeah, I wonder with, you know, the lack of using smell is just really like, it's just not, 
sexy you know it's not cool like i I don't know why they don't really use scent as much um i mean on top of everything you said um yeah yeah, i love that scene where he's he's tracking the punisher like Mm -hmm. yeah it makes a lot of sense (laughs) i mean one one reason could be that it's um and it's you know been suggested in one paper i've read um that suggests that that uh, a lot of times when scent is used um for blind characters in fiction it tends to almost kind of evoke an, an animalistic kind of vibe where it's something mm-hmm. that we associate with lower animals and mm-hmm. this was something that even you know Sigmund Freud uh, talked about sort of scent as something that we kind of grow out of as adults uh of course there's there's also been suggestion that that maybe that was something that uh was specific to Sigmund Freud who besides having like chronic sinus issues also had I think he used cocaine and there's like you know, there's like a whole story about how okay. Sigmund Freud personally wow. probably did gradually lose his sense of smell as he got older and then he kind of applied that to like humanity generally <laughs> so it's like wow. I don't remember if it was cocaine I'll have to like double check this we can put it in the show notes <laughs> But but I mean That's he was so, yeah yeah he was, um, that must be some bad cocaine blessing yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so there, so I think that uh, some of it could be like it's it's maybe not dignified enough it's something like oh smelling is something yeah. your dog does it's not something that you do and then we also think that maybe that's a oh poor thing he has to smell things or something so I think again people are like a bit afraid of like leaning into what it is he has and what he does and stuff so well it is probably like the least like conspicuous thing you know he's going out in this yeah. hoodie we know he can't hear like half hear. yeah he can't walk around like touching things so he can walk around and like sniff things yeah <laughs> you know i think smell definitely for like different adults like i like i'm not a smeller like i'm very averse <laughs> to like bad smells so i actually like if i even like think that there's gonna be bad smell i like stop smelling my husband's the exact opposite he literally smells everything, and so does my daughter. Yeah, I'm with your husband. Everything. Yeah. He'll, like, go, ooh, this is gross. Smell it. And I'm like, why did you smell that? You knew it was <laughs> going to be gross. And so it's interesting. Like, I feel like just different people have different relationships to smell. Because I feel like I wouldn't use that as much. I think it's like Christine says, like, like a smell can take you back, though. Like, it's, it's like true, a memory, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, going back to your thoughts on how, you know, smell tends to be looked at maybe even subconsciously, like a little animalistic. Um, I don't think we've talked about this. I know we have like maybe privately, but I think writers in the show and in comics have maybe shied away from really like digging in and like really exploring his senses and how it relates to like his disability Mm-hmm. is really if they don't have like access to you know the blind and visually impaired community mm-hmm. then maybe they're just a little it's a little nerve-wracking because you want to treat it this you know disability with respect in this community mm-hmm. while putting forth this character that can mm-hmm. do things that they can't and balancing that can be like really stressful i think yeah. and, and and even if you you know, have certain people that are totally okay with what you're doing, you're never going to please everybody. So I think sometimes they err to a safe side of things, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just out of precaution. Yeah, I've, I've been a part like I've, I know I have some friends in the blind community, my husband worked um, for Association for the Blind. So being around, you know, people who have different um, visual impairments and just talking about that, like, you know, it was definitely been interesting. I was um, a fan of Daredevil before meeting a lot of these people, but kind of seeing, I always really liked when the writers um, focused on Matt as a person and like, Mm -hmm. and his disability and like, you know, what he can't do Mm -hmm. and really grounding him as an actual person who is blind, even though he can do all these senses. So, you know, I don't really envy the writers and, you know, having to, you know, walk this line. But I do think it's an interesting, maybe enter into that world and get Mm -hmm. to know uh, people. Uh, Okay, I think we're actually kind of almost coming up on time. But we had so many other things we wanted to cover that we're we're thinking of maybe like doing like a, you know, a a lightning round where we uh, quickly cover some other scenes uh, that we wanted to talk about. So, um, in a minute or less per scene, let's first talk the touch reading, the blueprints in season one. This is going to be a challenge. 
Um, like in the comics, as you know, Matt can read print by touch. Uh, there was, it's possible that this was also going to be in the show because there's actually a talk of like a cut scene where Matt reads a headline of a paper, which mm-hmm. is not, I guess, as hard as like reading the fine print that was tossed. And he's never like read print in the show, uh, aside from that. Uh, but the touch reading, the pl- blueprints, a lot of people brought that up, but in my mind, this is actually a scene where he is just recognizing them as blueprints. And I, I think, agree. uh, what lends further credence to that is the fact that he's not touching them for very long. If you really want to explore it, he would actually have to touch it all over and like, Ooh, what's this? But he just kind of, he touches them. It's like, Oh, these are blueprints, I guess. And then moves on, which I think is actually quite reasonable because I think blueprints should probably have a particular. Yeah. Feel. I feel like you could feel, I feel like you could touch and figure out that's a blueprint. I think that touch reading is one of those things that as like printers and paper and things are different now than they used to be. I just think it could be a little bit harder now to touch read as opposed to in the sixties from a typewriter, you know? Yeah, it should be. And wait, Mark Wade has mentioned this too, that technology doesn't, you know, work in Matt's favor in that, in that sense. And that's, that's true. Uh, yeah. And also, of course, uh, our sense of touch prefers, it doesn't prefer the swirly patterns of, of like type. It, actually braille is a very perfect medium for for reading by touch because it really kind of plugs into how our sense of touch works so that's another thing to consider and in defenders when they find the blueprints he relies on jessica's sight to explain to him exactly what the blueprints are saying also true perfect so matt and electra and which one the uh coming to the party Oh, yeah. yeah. When they walk in and they both look sexy. And he says, you look really good tonight. And because they're raising heartbeats. Um, Mm -hmm. I just love that scene because it makes sense. Um, And then with his other senses, you know, you know that he can tell that she's attractive. You know, the way she carries herself, the way she speaks, the way she smells. I mean, we could go on like a whole episode of how he he can, you know, know that women are attractive and... Because it's like, it's actually been like, there's, uh, there's actually research to show that um, even voices are actually correlate mm-hmm. with physical attractiveness. Yeah. So it's sort of, it, I like that they're pointing out that it's indirect. So that's cool. Uh, oh, yeah. And then we have uh, the silent ninjas uh, in season two. And oh. uh, actually, this goes back to what we mentioned early on about how it's important for a character to be rule governed. Because mm-hmm. um, the problem that uh, in season two, they're talking about how Matt can't detect the ninjas because they are, I guess, hiding or like they're, they're uh, stopping their heartbeats or something. I don't yeah, actually Yeah, lowering the their body temperature. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Again, and of course, we already told you the body temperature is crap. Uh, but, uh, but even with the heartbeats and everything, that's ridiculous, though, because uh, if that the fact that Matt cannot detect them if they're not making any sound would make it impossible for him to detect any silent object, including like a bookshelf. So that kind of undercuts how his senses work, which is why you need to have rules for this to begin with, because it makes everything much more easy for everyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We talked about that. Oh, yeah. Matt stitches up Electra. What did you want to do with this one, Shelby? <laughs> I just want to know what, if you think that's like good, bad. I just want to know your time. I thought um, it was hot, but oh. I just want to know. <laughs> um, I was surprised that they did that because I'm thinking it's not like he he should rely more on touch to do that kind of thing. And I'm not sure mm-hmm. it's good to have like your fingers all up in somebody's wound. True. That's like an open okay. cut that needs stitching. That was weird to me. I, that was really okay. weird to me. Yeah, it gets points it gets on like points. a really like sexy scene, but yeah. not points in like the reality, like realistic in that world. Yeah, that, that's my that's my thought. Yeah, I just thought it was odd. <laughs> um, and then we had oh Matt losing his hearing and getting his powers back in season three and hearing feeling the subway. I thought it was as, as a scene, it was kind of like a nice dramatic scene, mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of strange to me how he, okay, so he only then discovers like he can feel the subway. Shouldn't he be aware of that from like earlier yeah. encounters with the subway? They treat it like that is somehow tied to the touch, like, I don't know, the vibrations. It was like, it was like all to- of his senses were muted. That's kind of how it, yeah. it feels like yeah. they were communicating that. And then, you know, no, no, but then later on, he feels things with his feet and stuff, which yeah. of course, again, is, is it's not crazy, but it, it would be kind of crazy to be like, oh, you can, instead of using your 
um, hearing to build up like this, you know, echolocation ability, you can use touch vibrations instead, which is sort of like, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're both sources of mechanical energy in the sense of like, that's a shake and that's a vibration. And then if the vibrates the air, that's a sound. Um, but um, yeah, it was like, I, I, I'm not sure what they were going for there. It doesn't necessarily bother me all that much because I can't really tell if I should be bothered or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, was bothered I do... by, by the blood that he just spit out and never cleaned yeah. up. That's, That's an intense scene. It's an intense scene in general. It is. I, I mean, yeah. I do overall, though, loved how they depicted him losing his senses. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they really, like, do that in the comics. I mean, I think... Wade does it, um, mm-hmm. where he kind of like loses all perception of things. But do we really ever spend time with Matt having actually lost like his super senses? Like I found that extremely compelling in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't spend much time. Like we rarely spend much time with him doing that. And I think that's maybe one of the shortcomings of, of this genre or this, um, uh, you know, this um, medium in general is that you don't. You only have a very limited number of pages, and and I guess that again, that's what fanfic is for. So you can spend, you can spend like five pages on Matt hanging out in his apartment, uh, because it, it does tend to get a little rushed, and we don't. And I think that's one of the great things with the show too, is that you get at least to spend a lot more time just hanging out with these characters. And I think also like just kind of to cap this off, uh, this episode, um, also say that in general, I was quite happy with the show. And yeah. I did think that overall, mm-hmm. they st- stayed relatively grounded. And I'm very la- yeah. happy that they maybe I, I was actually expecting them to do away with the print reading. And um, they did. Uh, because that also is something that it, it, you know, for modern audiences that might actually just come across as silly um mm-hmm. and um so that was one thing but i think in general i think they kept it like more grounded than most runs of the comic i would say almost all all runs of the comic and i'm really grateful for that yeah i thought it was really grounded and quick shout out to all the accessibility things that they put yes. in the show that's another conversation for mm-hmm. another time or one we've already had i don't know but yeah. uh yeah i really appreciated the show on on that as well yeah, so I think we're going to have to round it off here. But of course, like, leave any comments. If you have any questions, if you want to ask me or the others about what we have our opinions on various things from the show or the comics, uh, you know, go right ahead and we'll maybe try to tackle them. And uh, thanks for for listening. And, and we all hope you enjoyed this episode. Yeah. And of course, uh, keep up with us at all the, you know, we are um, uh, Renew Daredevil on Twitter. We are Save Daredevil pretty much everywhere else. Uh, we have a website. We have a YouTube channel uh, where you can also watch like uh, mini-sodes uh, where we talk about sort of uh, current events from time to time and things that pop up and uh, gossip and stuff. I guess... Um, that's that's it over and out thank you for listening thanks guys bye Bye, Bye, guys thank you for listening to talk daredevil the official podcast of the save daredevil campaign for more information on save daredevil please visit our website at savedaredevil.com remember murdoch's always get 